Listen, listen, the vulnerable are powerful and the most gangster thing you can do is serve. This is all the way live. Ooh, thank you, sir. Can we get some air horns in there one time? One time. Two time for y'all, man. What up? What up? What up? It's all the way live podcast. But it is. We're back again, brother Miles. We're back again. Yes, sir. Feel good, don't it? I feel real good. I feel real good. And you know what we do here at the All The Way Live Podcast, man. Every week, every Wednesday, drop it on your socials. Like, follow, comment, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are where you can. We are reachable, so reach out. <laughs> We're there to be found. So find us, please. <laughs> find us, find us. Because when you find us, what you will find is that here at the All The Way Live Podcast, what we do is give you guys carefully curated content for your cranium, for your head top. This is me and Miles putting together a show of conversation whose sole intent purpose is to be a space of even just a little bit of happiness, a space of a little bit of, of, of uh, let's say, a break from a tiresome day. We know people are going through some very, very dark things. And so we cultivate the positive energy, a pool of positive energy that people can dip into. And how we do that is by breaking the show down into three parts. How about doing so far? You're doing pretty good. Go get him. Bless you. <laughs> Bless again. The devil is a lie. I was going so well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're killing them. Go ahead. <laughs> so this carefully curated content is broken up into three parts. Those parts are stumble upon, current news, and recommended and review. Now on stumble upon, this is where me and Miles talk about the things, topics, and ideas that we have had throughout the week. <laughs> this is where we, anything that has stumbled us, anything that is particularly interesting, we bring it forward. And then from there, we go into current news. Now on current news today, you know what we like to do, take some facts, unpack it, you know, dedicate ourselves towards it, and uh, have open, honest conversation about things that matter. And this week, Miles Xavier, can you tell the people what matters to us? Uh, I think something that matters to us and that is that is definitely making waves and headlines and matters to a lot of people is the the conflict in in Israel and Palestine. So we're gonna be getting into that. Uh, shit, was that stumbled upon current news? Did you say current news? I think that was that news. was that was that was current news. But from current news, you know where it goes to. It goes into our absolute favorite part of the show, none other than recommend it and review. Why is this our favorite part of the show? You know why recommended review is our favorite part of the show is because we get to interact with you. We review what you recommend. We recommend what we think is cool. This week, we're getting into the offseason. J. Cole, we'll let you know and recommend it in review if we recommend that to you mm -hmm. to be continued. Indeed, yes, indeed, indeed. Yes, and you know, on recommended and review, what we do, we have five mics. We rate albums that way. So it's you, you know, wanna if you want to let us know how you felt about that album, let us know how many mics that is in the comment section. <laughs> in the comment, go ahead. You put that in. Word. word, word, word. Is there a mic emoji? There should be. Drop the mic. There has the to be. There has yeah, to be. Emoji. I'm pretty sure there's a lasagna emoji. But I digest. You already know what's going on, man. Chicago is in the building. Joe Berg is in the building, man. Shout out to the illustrious gallery, Momo. Providing my brother's crazy background right there. Some amazing art. You know, that's a beautiful space. 
You already know what's going on, on this side, man. On this side, the building is in Chicago. That means the building is on stolen land. This podcast is recorded on stolen land, man. You know, so we always have to acknowledge that this land was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires. I have been raised here. I, it's been an honor for me to be able to grow and do work in this space. And uh, and it's an honor to acknowledge, right, and to, to appreciate the history that the violence that was done to those Native American tribes to remove them from this land is inseparable from the violence that we see in a city today, in this country today, and in this world today. And there's too much of it. So with that, we lift up love for brown people the world over, for love between black and brown people the world over. Intro yes, sir. over. Let's get into the show. Yes, sir. Into the show. Hey, man, it's, a, it's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely great to be here with you today. Yeah. Feels absolutely good. great. It does feel good. It does feel good. I think we had a, there was some positive feedback on our last podcast. Um, and again, it's just the, the fact that we get to end our week being able to do this is always going to be my favorite part of the week. Oh, man, I love it. Imagine not being able to do a podcast with your friends, you know, imagine having to let that go, <laughs> you know, that would be tough. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. What are you, what are you getting to? What are you insinuating? What's going on? Man, I think there's an interesting, like, um, in whatever craft you do, there's a there's an interesting line you walk around about how much you can talk about other people that do it, right? So I think in this podcast, we, we, we try and be very diverse with our topic range, but we sometimes shy away from things that are going on with other podcasts in the podcast space. I think as part of it as some of our own aspirational professional courtesy, but I think also just as kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to toe that line and, and it's an interesting line to draw with inspiration until some shit is over. Yeah. At which point <laughs> you can you can kind of give it its flowers in, in, in its proper way. Um, thankfully, in this case, over everybody is still healthy. Everybody is still good. Do you mind one of my the people exactly what yeah. you're speaking? You're referring to. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm my, bad, my, bad, my bad. My bad. My bad. No, no. Let me step out the kitchen. Let me step out the kitchen. No, no, you're good. Just take a, take a little bit of this spoon. Man. <laughs> it's all good. It's working in here. But it's but what I'm saying is um yeah man so. And the sake for the for the sake of transparency, now that some stuff is over, I think it's cool for you to acknowledge and me to acknowledge that a podcast that we both enjoy, the Joe Budden podcast, um, is will never will will no longer be the same due to a, a change up in in co-hosts. Two of the co-hosts have left the show. Rory and Maul have left the Joe Budden podcast. Um, it's a podcast that I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of, specifically because of their dynamic. I'm one of the few viewers, like, as in any show, right? I'm sure it happens a lot with TV. Sometimes you, your favorite person, your favorite I hate to say character because these are real people, but like isn't the main person, right? So I I like really appreciated Maul's perspective on the show. He was the main reason I watched. I probably won't be watching anymore. So whether it continues or not, but their dynamic I think was really crucial to the success of the podcast. Um, and I think their kind of breaking up leads us into kind of my stumbled upon topic for the day. But before that, I just kind of want to make space for anything you might have to say about the the podcast or what it's meant or how you kind of see it going forward. Um, I think it's a very interesting, it's an, a very interesting case to watch unfold in front of us because we, we were constantly told about the perils of how, how money can separate friendships and money can separate family. Um, and, and I think we're watching that play out in front of us, whether, you, you know, it's, it's never always a consequence directly that might be 
where, where money is the obvious underlying factor of it, but it is probably within the vicinity and to a greater extent, you know, determines how people will be able to respond. So in this particular case, um, as we said, it's, it's, it's a good show. Um, enjoyed it. I think I'll still, I think I'll still keep going because of it's, it's entertainment value at this point, but I'd love to see, uh, Maul and Rory start their own thing. I think, uh, I don't know if the dynamic is there, but watching their response video, there was, there was chemistry in there that I think they could be able to play around with quite, quite well. Yeah. 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 So I wish everybody involved like the best going forward. Um, but I think it's an interesting case study of something that, you know, at least in my case, right. That, uh, something that you really like to me, like, I don't know, maybe TV isn't as good, but like, I don't have a favorite TV show right now. Maybe Snowfall, maybe Snowfall, right? Um, but the Joe Budden podcast was my favorite, like week in, week out. Like that was something that I would watch week to week as it dropped, right? Um, and so just as you grow older, there's a lot of things in life that you come to like, that you come to appreciate, that become part of your routine mm. that you have to end up like letting go of for whatever reason, you know, whether you outgrow the content, whether the content stops coming, um, whether somebody passes away, whether somebody gets canceled, mm. right? So my kind of stumbled upon topic today that I kind of wanted to talk about was just like, uh, was just some of those things, man. What are some of those things for you that as you've grown older, you've, you've had to step away from or that have, for one reason or another, uh, left your life and you've had to kind of cope with that as, you, as you've grown up, you know? I, that's a great question. And it makes me think of a quote that Dave Chappelle said. He said, you know, all, he said, I'm black. All my heroes are, uh, he said, all my heroes have been to jail or, oh, damn, I, I, I'm messing up the quote right now, but something to the equivalent of black heroes are usually people that have been jailed before. So uh, why, I, why I bring that up specifically is that the concept of, the concept of, of fandom and separating fandom from a person's characteristic is something that as black people we've had to do for a long time. It could be predicated on the fact that um, we've been subjected to injustices that have at a time made us not in control of the narratives and the things that they say about us and things like smear campaigns and things of that nature were prevalent. You know, the, I mean, now, even with the FBI documents opening up, seeing what, uh, the, what they were doing to Martin Luther King, which was a, a, a a clear uh, smear campaign, you know what I mean? Uh, so when you understand the reality of that history of where black people get to a place where it's just like, all right, cool, this is the star, he did this, but I'm gonna separate that from the actual music. We've done that for a long time. But like recently when Kanye was, um, when Kanye was coming up with, with a lot of the Trump rhetoric that he was coming up with and spewing a lot of um, apparent ignorance or let's say uh, what seemingly sounded like ignorance, um, offensive at that too, that that was very difficult for me to separate because that is my favorite artist, you know? Yeah, it's tough. There's varying degrees to which whatever issue is kind of at conflict affects you versus how much the artist has personally contributed to your growth and your ability to kind of ignore that. I think people are trying, you know, in this day and age when we have so much access to information about everybody, right? Like we know everything about, you know, our favorite celebrities. People are trying to figure out if there's a clear cut formula for um, appreciating the art and separating that from the artist. And I think there really isn't. I think more than any type of reliable decision-making mechanism, it's kind of like, how does this art make you feel now, you mm -hmm. know? 
Mm. I think I, I, there are artists where I'm more confused in my mind logically about where I stand on the issue than I am whether or not I can listen to their music. And because sometimes I can't listen to their music without thinking about the issue, that's the answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the, the parents example there would be R. Kelly, right? Where we understand that a lot of the music that R. Kelly was making was underlined by what was clearly sexual assault to minors. Um, it, it's quite disgusting. It's quite hard to not hear, to not be thinking about that. Um, I, I, there was somebody else that I, I just, oh, this, this is the point that I was going to make. What is sad is that it seems that abusers tend to be the people that get away from it the easiest, right? Where, and, and the abusers that I'm speaking about is like, um, uh, 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 men that beat women, men that beat women tend to get a pass for these types of things. We've heard of many as celebrities that have been accused of beating women where you have seen, uh, where we have seen, um, uh, gender-based violence just like prominent throughout their throughout their history with women where many many women are saying that but we we gloss over it even today Tory Lane shot Meg the Stallion in the foot and we've kind of uh, I don't want to say we've gotten over it but the repercussions of that have not been as severe as the repercussions for some of the other people that have that have been um you know that have been canceled so to speak right right and I think that's I think that's a testament to to the audience, right? And I think that that becomes complicated, right? You're trying to figure out how you personally, how I feel like, can I listen to this? But then there's another thing of like, well, if I'm around somebody else and they play this person's music or, you know, want to watch a movie with Kevin Spacey, right? At what point am I going to intervene on that? You know what I mean? At what point do I feel like I have to say something and say, you know, I really don't want to support this or listen to this, right? to speak up about that issue. Um, because yeah, when, when, when you think about, like I, I live in a black neighborhood. So when people's are, windows are open and they're jamming, listening to music, I certainly do still hear R. Kelly, mm. right? And of course I'm not gonna go over to my neighbor's house and be like, hey, <laughs> cut that. That's that Such and such off, right? But like there, there's, there's a, that that transfers very quickly into a family party, right? In this in the non-context of COVID, I could very easily that could be my cousin's house, right? And you know, my second aunt twice removed is on the music and is playing R. Kelly, right? It's it's like, am I gonna intervene on it? Am I gonna intervene on it then? Right. And I think it's I think you can't control how anybody else's account how much anybody else holds anybody else accountable. Right. So it's 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 tough. It's tough to it's tough to let things go, especially when they're when they're in cancel culture, because you feel like how much does my watching this contributed to contribute to this? And and then it's like, what 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 is the responsibility on the consumer? What is the consumer's responsibility outside of just completely canceling and, and not listening to the music? Now, if we it's hard to subscribe to the notion of never doing anything you know that's that's almost as impossible as always doing something you know so what the reality then is is i guess when it comes to your personal dollar and what where where this where your monetary where where you're contribute contributing in a monetary manner you you ignore that um but that's that's dependent but i don't shame people for 
because some people are able to compartment uh, to, to be able to separate the art from the artist quite well. I mean, I'm sure there's many artists that we make exceptions for who, if we looked at their past and their history, have had clear indications of abuse and and even murder at times, you know, and we're and and, and we're and we're cool with that and we digest that. So it's uh it's yeah. it's up to it's I, I don't shame nobody for for how they go about handling that. Yeah, I I agree. And I think a big part of just what ties all these conversations together, right? Whether you have to let go of something because it implodes by itself, um, whether an artist passes away, rest in peace, Prince, rest in peace, DMX, rest in peace, Pop Smoke, rest in peace, you know, all these artists that have given us so much, Tupac, Biggie, right? Like, imagine having to let that them go in that moment, right? And what that feels like versus whether somebody gets canceled. I think it's about how much... Can you, when you think about that artist or when you hear that person or see that person's body of work, can you focus on what the positives were that come out of that, right? Like, can you remember things that you heard on the Joe Budden podcast that, or times that it made you feel good and still, you know, that be the sentiment that you take away from it rather than this ugly breakup, right? When you look at an artist like DMX that passes away, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this person. This person obviously struggled and laid that struggle bare, but how did he make you feel, right? Does, does, it does what he contributed in terms of his vulnerability in which there is power, mm. right? How much did that lift you up versus how much did you care about any, any of the other stuff? And when somebody gets canceled, it's the same thing. It's, it's what did they do? How much does that hurt you when you think of that person? Um, how much accountability do you feel as, to yourself? And how much is, does it and examine those issues, right? But at the end of the day, it's, we're always just trying to take as much good as we can from everything. And I don't think you don't have to shame anybody for that. Yeah, that yeah. If I'm putting a ribbon on it, um, you know, my, my question, Miles, the, my question is, is, is a simple one. Is in today's society, how much space do we allocate for forgiveness um when is forgiveness warranted how much should we have how much capacity for forgiveness should we have as a society and believe in people getting second chances and people becoming reformed and uh, people being able to 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 grow and to be better people how and in, in a in a society where we're also geared to attack um and, and we're also very quick to to, to to cancel and to cheer on the demise and um, in the same retrospect, be able to 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 point out a lot of um, to be able to point out uh, a lot of injustices that are done uh, to women and marginalized people. We have that same capacity in that in that realm and understanding those two things. How much how much space do we make for forgiveness as as a society, as a global society? At that, yeah. So I think on the on the personal level, on the individual level, we take all of our own experiences and extend our empathy as far as we possibly can to understand whenever somebody else says something happened to them, regardless of what that is and regardless of who did it, right? We extend our empathy as far as we can. Um, I, should, I would say it should be our goal, right? And then at the extent of that empathy, that has to carry over to whoever is accused of having done the crime as well, which leads us to the broader question of, because in the individual, we can't really do much, right? We decide within ourselves, 
how we feel about the situation, having empathy for whoever the victim might be, trying to extend that empathy to whoever the perpetrator or the person accused is might be. But we have a bigger decision to make at a community level and as and as countries and as governments, right, what our laws say. And the the idea at the at the root of that question is what do we do with the people we're most scared of? Mm-hmm. Right? And what do we do with the people that we understand the least? Right? Do we lock them up and out of sight, out of mind? Or do we truly commit to trying to create a system that rehabilitates in a real way, nothing like what the current criminal justice system does in America. Mm -hmm. But that's the question is what do we do with the people that we're most scared Mm -hmm. of? Right. Because bringing it back to the, the idea of celebrity and forgiveness and cancel culture, when somebody who has amassed great power and great influence via Hollywood, who has thousands of followers and fans, commits some type of crime or victimizes someone else there's a real interesting flip of being scared of this person because this person wields so much power and influence Mm -hmm. they have so Mm -hmm. much access to people people we have been kind of socialized to bend at the whims of those in positions of power right and so there's a real fear of what do we do with this person who has abused that power and i think we have to think seriously about what we how we want to handle that as on the community level well, on the individual level, applying as much empathy to all parties involved. You know, um, this, this conversation that we have on, on power um, and, and on, 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 on power discrepancies, it, it leads very well into our current news topic, man. So if you don't mind hitting the waves for us one time and we can get into talking about um, Israel and Palestine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Current news. And can can we can we can we predicate this with um, this this conversation required us to be very intentful with how we approached it. Indeed. In a moment of transparency, we had to have the conversation of is this conversation worth having because of the realities of what the implications of being misinformed about this or um, the, the, the implications of where, you, uh, of where you say, of where you speak about this or how you speak about it. There's, there's, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an evident stigma that is associated with this conversation. One that we wanted to take into account and double check and double down on being responsible. Thank you. Yes, sir. So with that, I will actually start with a bit of reading. Yo, nigga, your brother told us how you be all in the reading and shit. Hey, that's some real good shit, my nigga, for real. Congratulations, nigga. Congratulations. So. <laughs> I love that. I love it, too. At the, at the, core, of, at the core of this issue right between israel and palestine is jerusalem so i'm reading uh, a bit from bloomberg here jerusalem is at the heart of the decades-old conflict because it is home to one of the most sacred shrines venerated by muslims jews and christians right the haram al-sharif or the noble sanctuary is the islam's third holiest site 
where Muslims believe the Prophet Muhammad ascended to heaven 1400 years ago. Known to Jews as the Temple Mount, it is housed, it housed the biblical Jewish temple and is Judaism's holiest place. Israel claims the entire city as its capital, while Palestinians claim its eastern sector as the capital of their longed-for state in a dispute that's tormented decades of peace negotiations. Right? So there's there's dispute over this territory, over East Jerusalem. And in acknowledging and speaking on the violence that we've seen happen uh, over the past week, I think it's important to acknowledge that you can start this conversation as far back as you'd like, right? I think for the sake of time and for the sake of clarity, it's important to acknowledge that recent catalysts include evictions in Sheikh Jarrah, which is a part of East Jerusalem, which is a part of East Jerusalem, where uh, Palestinian residents who were actually given housing after the 1948, uh, when, when Jordan and was in power and collaborated with the UN to give Palestinian refugees housing. Now, Israel takes back East Jerusalem in 1967 and now also claims that aspect of East Jerusalem, including Sheikh Jarrah, and is evicting the residents that were given housing by the UN, right? So Palestinian protesters are protesting this. Also, in the mix of catalysts for this current violence, right, is Ramadan, which started, I believe, 10 days ago at the time we're recording this, mm-hmm. right? So that is, that, and that's a holy celebration um, in, in Islam of sacrifice and prayer. And so that's going on at the same time. So there are prayers, there are gatherings of, of Muslims that are attempting to pray, and the protests and the responses by Israeli forces are overlapping with these prayers and these celebrations of Ramadan, mm. right? Most notably on Eid, the most holy day of Ramadan, the a mosque in East Jerusalem, the Al-Aska Mosque, which is kind of central to this third holiest site in Islam and holiest site in Judaism. While folks are in there praying for Ramadan, celebrating Eid, Israeli forces in combating protesters enter the mosque, essentially raid the mosque where both people who are and are not protesting are injured. This catalyzes a more military response from Hamas, the Palestinian military group uh, based in Gaza, who starts firing missiles toward Tel Aviv in Israel. Now Israel has, you wanna jump in? You got, you wanna roll in? No, you you roll in, and and I'm appreciating the, the 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 thorough breakdown of 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 the history of it. I'll 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 getting at the end. You're, you're... so yeah. There's I mean, there's not too much more to tell. That kind of started kind of more military assaults between the two groups. Israel has a defense system called the Iron Dome, which is pretty effective in mm-hmm. stopping missiles from being as effective as their counter strikes against Palestinians in Gaza, which have experienced greater casualties. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, At this point, according to the New York Times, there are 145 that have lost their lives in Gaza, and there are 12 dead in Israel as of 12 hours ago. Um, You know, Miles, when when we, as we were crafting this conversation together, the question that I asked you is, 
what should I feel about this? Right. And that was underlined by what I feel to be a question that, the reason why why I ask what what we should feel about it is because there's so many things that are happening in the world right now. There is Russia that's an inv- that's invading um, Poland. You have the war that's going on in Ethiopia right in Ethiopia right now. That's 2021. That's present right now. There's a femicide that's happening in South Africa right now as we speak. You know, uh, there's a conflict in Cameroon right now as we speak. So not being dismissive of 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 the situation in Israel and Palestine, just asking that, putting that question forward for the the the, the many listeners who I'm sure are, are also conflicted about where do we place what what are we supposed to feel and think in a world where there's so many things to feel and think? Our exposure to information is exposing us to the atrocities that are happening everywhere. Now, atrocities are atrocities. You can have the same feeling for all atrocities. And, and you know, I think a, a, a rational, sane person would say, yeah, I hate atrocities. But what is there to feel in this instance from somebody that, from somebody that is that is experiencing this information from a distance and has no tether to to uh, to what's happening there. Uh, I think it's a it's a personal decision based on. Do you, are you okay with saying I don't care? Right. I think that's. Is I it that simple though? It's it's. As we've discussed a lot over this week, over across many different topics, I think simple and easy are very different things, right? So I think it's very difficult to say, and I don't care is maybe is is not the softest delivery of it, but it might be the simplest. Um, but I think it's 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 when I hear about all of the issues you just mentioned, I want to know what's going on at a baseline level. I'm under no, like, you know, um, delusion that I can affect change across all of these, uh, across all of these issues. But as an adult that cares about the world, I, I, I want to know what's going on in all, of, in all of those places. Do I have the time to educate myself as thoroughly as I'd like to? No. But I think what's important to acknowledge is that what we all pay attention to is often dictated largely by the news and the media, right? But when there is something, there are atrocities happening, and the news puts a spotlight on it, it becomes an opportunity for everyone who has been doing the work to showcase that work, to highlight what they know, and for them to have a voice. And in those moments, I think you can either say, I have the opportunity, the information is being brought to me via YouTube, via TV, via news articles. I have the opportunity to at least educate myself about what's going on, Mm. right? I think the idea that you have to, that everything has to be actionable comes from a sense of like guilt almost, you know what I mean? Like that you're not doing enough and you're probably not. 
None of us are, right? But it's one thing to say, I'm so I'm not gonna pay attention. Mm. It's another thing to say, this is on the news right now. There's a wealth of sources reporting on it. I can hear as many perspectives as I have the ability to take in, right? Both from an academic mental perspective and from an emotional perspective, because it is hard to read on these things, right? And that information is there and it's available to me. So at this point, I have to make a conscious decision to say, Drake me if I'm not paying attention, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's an opportunity. And I don't think we should always allow the news media's spotlight to determine where we focus our attention. But when it does bring you something that, real talk, me personally, I haven't been following as much. And I haven't been paying attention to as much. But I do want to understand. Hmm. Because I think just in that much care, in trying to understand, I'm meeting the call that I'm making on my own behalf as a black man, when I'm imploring the world to understand Black Lives Matter, when I'm imploring the world to understand and acknowledge this systemic racism that I go through, right? That's what I'm asking for, is other people to just give that fuck, mm. right? Just, to, just enough to actually listen, actually educate themselves. Yeah. So how could I not, when I'm asking for that, for my people, for the acknowledgement of my people as human, for the protection of their civil rights, not to look at all these other issues and go, let me at least lend my ear, mm. if nothing, not, if not my assistance, if not my, my service. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's powerful. I think that's very, very powerful. Exposure to information, um, ex extending, extending one's capacity to, to, to be empathetic. Um, empathetic, not apathetic. Yes. Um, and I think, I think in that there's, there's, uh, rev there's evolution in there, right? Where in the same way that we can evolve to not care about certain things, I think we can also evolve as people to care about certain things and increase our capacity of being able to understand things and, be, and, 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 uh, and, and, and react accordingly in ways that can allow it to change. Um, what is evidence is that there is a group of people that are being forced out of where they live. There are a group of people that are being murdered, that are being, uh, that are being bombed at a rate that's higher than, uh, that's higher than the, you know, the casualty rates are higher in one, in one area than they are in another. There's a, there's a clear power discrepancy there that forces one to have to question what the responsibility of the, of the power holder is, you know? Um, and I think that's something that I think that's that's the question that's very difficult to be able to have, which is that if one part, if one side has more power than the other, what is the responsibility of the person who has that power? And that is the situation that's going on right now. Thank you. I appreciate you you sharing that and 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 just adding that because when you asked whether this conversation was worth having and and how I felt about it, I think. A big part of it was a we have to speak on it for the reasons that I mentioned and the acknowledgement that we seek in our own personal issues right but I think that's the other part of it and I so I appreciate you for for voicing that yeah it's it's, it's very interesting the algorithm of what it takes for something to be uh, I don't know if sensational is the right is 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 the right word for it but what 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 it takes for what it takes for people to care, right? I mean, we had, 
there's been there's been many a cases of warlords in Africa and whatnot happening, but this Coney case in 2013, 2014, that that took over. You know, that absolutely took over. What was it about this particular uh, this particular uh, set of circumstances that led for us to care? I'm not I'm not ever angry at something that galvanizes people to move forward. Um, I'm just a a an interested observer of the of, of the algorithm that it takes for that, because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. What we're trying to do is tell the story of people that have less than us, that are less fortunate than us, bring them solutions that matter and giving them an opportunity to live a life that they might not have had the chance to do. And in order to do that, you have to tell their story. Big facts, big facts. And you have to be willing to speak up, right? And you have to be willing to, you know, I think a big part of what we wanted to just give and, and speaking on this was like, we speak from the heart and our gut on a lot of topics that we care about. And when there's a topic that the world, I feel, should care about, right, that we have the opportunity to care and educate ourselves about, that is important that we give our gut feeling. And when there's the gut feeling is, there's an imbalance, right? Yeah. There's that, that an occupied territory has failed in its responsibilities to the people that live in that space, yeah. right? I, like egregiously to the to the to the loss of life of hundreds of people including children i think that needs to be examined that's what my gut says yeah we need to take that seriously so i appreciate you bringing your gut to the table indeed indeed um even 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 on that you know if while we if we're speaking about atrocities that are close and dear that are occurring i did mention um the femicide that's happening in south africa right now the gender based for the gender based violence rate of the, the the rate is, is, is astronomical. It's, it's, it's almost the, the highest in the world, if not the highest in the world. Um, women are four times more likely to die here in South Africa than they are to die in any other country. That is, um, that is a terrifying number. And I had recently a friend who said, if we're taking it from a numbers perspective only in terms of casualties and in terms of uh, longevity and legacy, they're saying that the the what's happening to women in South Africa today is is akin and comparable to what was happening during apartheid times in terms of the the scale of of this issue, um, and and it, that affects half of the entire population, not even just half of just black people. That's half of the whole population, you know. So, um, in 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 bringing up and acknowledging things that are that are that are happening live that are current that's one of those things i wanted to bring forward to the table oh, i appreciate that b i appreciate that i sincerely do have to get lalani a drop she actually wrote her dissertation on the use of gender-based violence as a weapon of war in the rwandan genocide mm -hmm. so that might actually be a good person to bring on and have a have a deeper conversation about that 100%. as it relates to what's happening in, in in south africa right now in terms 100%. of femicide so um yeah man first of first and foremost you know lifting up love for for everybody involved embroiled caught up in conflicts in the world over bro yeah. because yeah. a lot of this what goes on said in this is that these are humans these are people these are families right it's not just soldiers it's not just militants it's not just insurgents you know victims bodies these are people these are families bro yeah. and that there are there are people that didn't wake up today to play music with their best friend and podcast or cruise and listen to a podcast on the way to the work or the store or to the gym they are in it in the real trenches right so like 
lifting up love for everybody that's that's going through it mm-hmm. for real, for real. And um, yeah, man, everybody who's just trying to figure out how to feel for real, for real. We 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 feel we feel you too. Yeah. So yeah. It's different. It's different. It's wild different. We different. Built different. Big different. Miles, stop being so controversial. And just talk about recommended and review. First of all, because now we're jumping in with a whole different energy. It's been a heavy, heavy podcast. There's a lot of dense information we know. So we had to come back and pick the vibes back up for recommended and review. That's important. That's right. Thank you, bro, for letting us know how we about to get into this, man. This is all the way live. This is recommended and review. Today, we bring in you the off season, J. Cole. Now. Where you want to start with this? Highlights, lowlights. I mean, we have structure, you know. We have structure over here. So how we how we usually break it down? Uh, split up by highlights, lowlights. Um, does it crack out top five and and what our rankings are of it? But like, um, pers- personally, I'm I'm a big Cole fan. Admittedly, I'm a big Cole fan. We've been listening to Cole for a long time. I started listening to J Cole in 2009, 2010. Um, uh, the first. I'm for real, for real, for real, for real. I started listening to Cole. Shout out to Maya, Maya at when we're in Venezuela, Escuela Campo Alegre, ECA. She put me on to, well, whatever that was. Hello, hello, Maya. Hello, put me yeah. on to Cole. No, no, Maya, Maya was real. She put me on to Cole from 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 early back. So I've I've, I've grown with Cole. In that, I can appreciate times where I'm enjoying something because I'm a fan of it. And I have more bandwidth because my bandwidth comes, my fandom comes with more bandwidth. Um, I, I, I know when that is the case. Uh, and that's what this album felt for me. I appreciated it immensely because I am such a big fan. I appreciated it because I knew that you would appreciate it. So I didn't have to appreciate it so much because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. It was, it was, you know what, dude, it was good. And I think before we even get into the rest of it, I think there's something to be said for Cole is one of the best rappers of, of his generation. Therefore the bar is super high. If some no name artist put this album out, we would be watching them so closely. Right. So this is, this is a great project. There's a lot to like here. Um, it's not bad. It's just not, a step up for Cole and it's not, it's not what I wanted. And I didn't go into it with too, too many, too high of expectations. All right. So before, before we get in too deep though, what were some of the highlight tracks for you? Um, highlight tracks applying pressure. Um, and if you want to keep it a bean, I'm, I'm, I'm long overdue my flowers on that applying pressure thing, bro. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing, I'm seeing it everywhere now and I haven't had anybody appreciate me for that, but that's another story for a different time right now. My favorite. <laughs> Get your IP people. Get your IP. You know what I'm saying? Before they steal your AP. Um, I, I, I dug, I dug close, let go of my hand. I thought was nice and vulnerable. I thought punching the clock was a, a, a nice technical show. Uh, a technical, um, a technical flex. My life is was dope. Amari is dope. There's, there's a lot of. Listen, this is a, this is by, in no means a bad album. If you're just gonna go from percentage of enjoyable tracks and you go from go to what Cole was trying to achieve and just being a lyrical miracle, 
I am here for that lyrical miracle. So I will I will take that, especially when it comes from an artist like Cole that I appreciate. So it's hard to to pick one highlight for me, is what I'm saying. But definite low light was that hundred mil. Um there's a lot of there's a lot of auto-tune on, on, on this on this album. Lots of auto-tune that I could do without. Lots of auto-tune. Yeah, I feel that. I feel yeah. that the auto-tune was a low light for me too. Um but as far as highlights, I'll say that it was really dope to your point of Cole just being that lyrical guy. There are some dope verses on here, right? They're just not always in songs that I like, you know? There are, so there are a lot of things that I like about the album. The 95 South, the Cameron, just his presence, the hearing Cole just on some fire intro, braggadocio you know, rather than the kind of introspective intros that we usually get from him, um, I thought was was dope. That was refreshing to hear. Um, but as I as I got deeper into the album, I kept finding myself liking things about songs, but not loving the whole the whole song. Mm. There are a lot of there are a lot of he plays with structure a lot on this album. So there are a lot of songs that are really just him talking shit into the mic and then rapping one verse and then talking some more shit, right? Mm. Or like there'll be some type of drum breakdown and maybe like a, a bridge, but then it just kind of fades out. And then there are other songs that are, you know, have verses and hooks and choruses. And I found myself liking aspects and particularly liking the verses that didn't have, wishing the verses that had, that were really good, that didn't have choruses, mm. had choruses. And wishing some of the songs that had choruses could have left out some of the bridges and some of the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot here that is good, but the way it came together just didn't work for me. Um, if if we if we have to rank this with, um, on the list of Cole's albums and let's say studio albums, which would be starting from let's put Friday Night Lights. Let's say starting from Friday Night Lights all the way up to KOD, which was the last. I think my ranking would go. Born Center, Forest Hills, uh, then Friday Night Lights, um, For Your Eyes, This, no, wait, no, um, Friday Night Lights, KOD, For Your Eyes, This, and then Sideline Story. I don't like Sideline Story that much. <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. But but a big part of why I didn't personally like Sideline Story that much was because I'd heard a lot of the best tracks on it a long time before the album came out. Blow in the up, climb back, all back. Mm-hmm. And the climb back off of this album is a really strong song that I heard a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I think the album hits a little bit different if I hadn't heard one of the most... That's one of the songs where the verses, the choruses, where it all kind of comes together and works. Right. And so if I hadn't heard that piece already, that might have been maybe maybe that and then close as a as tying out the album hit a little bit harder. But I'm not sure. How did you feel about Hunger on Hillside, that last track? Um, it, it wasn't one that I particularly went went back to. But then again, like for Cole with me, it, it, I, I, it grows on me. Cole, Cole grows on me. When I first heard For Your Eyes. I wasn't particularly wowed by it, but I ended up absolutely loving that that album over time. I remember we had a conversation way back, back in Cape Town, 
uh, when I was about to leave, I remember. Uh, wow, man, that feels oh, like man. that feels like such a long time ago. Word. Such Word. a long time that ago. Just, that just speaks to that just speaks to how long Cole has been has contributed to uh, the the theme music to to this to this friendship and this uh, this partnership, baby. For sure, um, for sure. So, but going off of that, going off of that. Uh, <laughs> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> I was just gonna really quickly say that I think for me, three I'm gonna give it three out of five mics. This is this is okay. above this is above average for me. Yeah. Um, but it it isn't it isn't a, a four or five. I didn't finish it the first time feeling like I got one to get me through the next couple months. Yeah. But it's I cool for cool. It's cool for Cole. So that's so three out of five mics for me. And uh yeah, man, I don't think this this breaks into my top five albums of the year yet, but we will uh we'll see. We'll see. I stand behind you. Even uh the three out of five, um going into the, the ranking of the albums, I do put uh KOD over uh, so it, it's Born Center first, uh after Born Center. It is Forest Hills, and then Friday Night Lights, and then um, Friday Night Lights, and then KOD. No, no, and then For Your Eyes, and then KOD. Gotcha. Yeah, like that. Like that. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. You, you, you must love folding clothes, brother. I want to fold clothes for you. Because I, oh, I feel man. it, dude. I, I want to fold clothes for that special somebody. And if you need a special somebody, go ahead and, 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 and comment down below for Miles to be your special somebody. That's right. We are offering exclusively to the All The Way Live podcast commenters and subscribers an opportunity to romance with Miles Xavier himself. One night only. Ahead, how did the how how did the person more critical of clothes become the of of Cole become the clothes folder? I'm not sure how this happened, mm. but mm. that being said, I want to fold clothes. For you. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, what I think, Miles, is that we I think we know. I think we are aware. We know. We know. We know. We know. We know. You know. Everybody knows. There's so many podcast out there so if you're hearing this the beautiful illustrious chestnut tones and hazelnut tones which one am i again you are chestnut tones chestnut right? tones and i am hazelnut tones thank you for joining us in all the way live man we know that you have a million choices we appreciate you rocking with us this is a celebration of life this is a celebration of celebrating this is a celebration of how good it feels to be black don't it feel good as way my favorite thing it's his favorite thing. It's the best thing. Listen, favorite thing. eat something delicious. Hug somebody you love. Like, comment, subscribe. Live in the moment. Take note of your breath. Man, if you got that, you're blessed. Like that, we out. Peace.